Uh, teen time trial yesterday, didn't do that. What's that? We didn't do the teen time trial yesterday, so I've got to mention that as well. Don't oh, we? yeah, true, true, true. Is that the beginning of the pod? Have we started? Oh, yeah, yeah, might yeah, well. man, yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. Sorry, listeners, you didn't get yeah. Ned's breakdown, but you can break down today's stage. What yeah. happened in the teen time okay. trial? I didn't see, I didn't see it, and I didn't see, didn't see today's stage. Did anything significant okay, we'll come? Okay, we'll just do a quick wrap up of the teen time trial. All right, uh, okay, for, for um, my benefit. Um, all right, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's put the theme tune in now. <laughs> Team time trial day, and of course the uh, uh, the regulations have been tampered with by the uh, race authorities, and they've decided instead of the fourth rider crossing the line to set the time that will determine the outcome for each individual team, it'll be instead like an individual time trial raced as a team. No one really understands it, but in the end, not much changed because the strongest riders uh, rose to the top. In the end, it was Jumbo Visma who won the stage as Jonas Vingegaard was shepherded to the line uh, by his uh, mighty team time trial outfit, but perhaps not as dominant as you would have liked. Tadej Pogacar, his team looked a little bit ragged, dropping riders left, right and centre. Mikael Bjerg did a big, tu- big turn, but in the final kilometre, boom! Pogaccio went and limited his losses to Jumbo Visma. Ineos Grenadiers were deeply, deeply underwhelming, it has to be said. Um, but great uh, team time trials from Groupama, FTJ and David Godu, who gained on lots of his big rivals, including the likes of Roma Badet, etc., and put himself very close to Jonas Vingegaard. And, in particular, EF Education Easy Post and Magnus Kort, who started today just four seconds or something, no, three seconds or something like that off the uh, race lead he took the race lead by finishing in second place and that was the team time trial David so Magnus Court started stage four stage four Pete in the yellow jersey um, for Paris-Nice and stage four well it blew uh, there was a strong crosswind all day as they crossed towards the very northerly fringes of the Massif Central heading towards the Mont de la Madeleine part of the, Bor- uh, the Bourbonnais mountains just outside Vichy um, UAE team Emirates tried on three occasions to rip it up on the flat approach to the final series of climbs to no avail. Then they got on the front and it looked like Tadej Pogacar at the final sprint of the day might be minded to rip the race up and go solo over the last 15 kilometres. In the end, though, it was a much more uh, stable and sedate progress to the finish line. It looked like UAE uh, team Emirates were setting it up for a massive Pogacar attack, but it was Jonas Vingegaard who launched the first attack. Then Tadej Pogacar, when it really mattered, countered got across to the hugely impressive David Godou, who'd picked a moment of lull between the two attacks to attack himself. Godou and Pogacar dueled it out for the victory. Pogacar uh, took the win, took the jersey. Godou finished in second place to move into second place on GC. Meantime, though, Vingegaard collapsed. And in the end, they all came past him. And Jonas Vingegaard shipped 44 seconds and more by the end of the day on GC. Yep. Ned, you're like the Ed Clancy. Sorry, David. I just had a thought. Ned's like the Ed Clancy of the podcast. Like, does the big in the the team pursuit massive start, and we all we have to worry about is like getting in on the wheels and delivering like a (laughs) cruisy turn. That's a bloody brilliant analogy. I bloody love Ed Clancy. He's the nicest. He's the nicest bike rider I've ever met. I think Ed Clancy. Pete, was he the one? In when you guys were ripping the team time trial and kind of almost changing the format, was the first one to be doing what three laps or, or almost the first K on his own. It wasn't quite there yet, but he was like it was unknown for someone to do more than three quarters of a lap off the start, and he took it three quarters of a lap. No, yeah, yeah three quarters of a lap. The second banking. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so he took it from that up to a lap and a half and then me and G started doing like lap and a half to two lap turns 
and then since then it's gone on and evolved to like you know like we see now with Ghana doing his k and a halves on the front or whatever it is nuts yeah um yeah. back to team time trial well back no back briefly for to ed clancy do you know okay. what he's doing these days no it's really interesting he's, he's like the active travel star like chris boardman um was in manchester Ed Clancy is that in Sheffield. No way. Yeah, he's in charge of getting people on bikes and like walking and all that sort of thing. He's a good egg, is Ed. Yeah, he's a nice egg. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, a lovely, yeah. he's lovely Ed. Very broad shoulders. Who's got broader shoulders, Ed Clancy or Stephen Kreisvike? Ed Clancy. It's um, close, isn't it? Close. I mean, proportionally, probably Kreisvike. <laughs> yeah, he's a skinny dude. Ed was never super skinny. No. Was this it? is making me laugh, this, because in our family, we always have a joke about my mum having broad shoulders. Because she can't take anything, you know. So funny. It's, what, it's honestly all we joke about every day when we're together. My mum's broad shoulders, which she doesn't have. Is it? Must be where I get it from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yo, yo, did your mum listen to the pod, Pete? Yeah, she's just ordered her um, athletic greens with the discount code this morning. Oh, amazing. She? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yes. Yeah. She, she keeps getting ill, so she, she was like, will it help? And I was like, well, it definitely, you know, it's definitely not going to not help. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, it's, it's, so your podcast listeners might be interested to know that um, both David's mum and uh, your mum behind the scenes have been very, very helpful in setting up because we're we're growing into really quite a big media concern. Yes, these <laughs> days, <laughs> and, and, and we've kind of got to get a bit more grown up, haven't we? With yeah. our kind of like you know creating yeah. a limited mm. company and all that sort of thing. And your mum's been massively helpful. Um, but there, we've had some, with some accountancy fees, not that we've ever had any income, which is hilarious, <laughs> but but we've got some accountancy fees due or something like that to set up the company. And um, Jackie, that's your mum's name. I, I, ha I know I haven't paid the bill yet. I will do it today, later. <laughs> this is the I problem, isn't it, though, when you get serious and you start setting up a company and you get to the end of the year and you're actually, oh, no, it's cost me more to set up the company than I've actually earned in the year. And you're just like, oh. Back to the drawing yeah, board. Well, you 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 <laughs> laugh, but that that it's as if you're exaggerating a point. But in the in terms of never straight far, that's literally true. Yeah, but when yeah. Jayco come good, which yeah, I'm sure they will. Be good. Yeah. Um, so to the team time trial. Team time trial. Yeah. Well, so we didn't really know what to expect, Pete. And to be honest, UAE looked ragged, and it looked like it was all going to unfold. Where Jumbo Visma looked so disciplined, and so did Ineos Grenadiers. Looked super disciplined, and essentially doing a normal time Steve, trial. Steve Cummings' master plan. Steve Cummings' master plan. Yep. Um, even Churchill had a master plan. Yeah. Freeboss, uh, Pete Freeboss interviewed Steve Cummings down at the start before the yeah. team time trial, and he said, uh, how, "How how are the tactics going to play out? How you, with the new rule change and everything?" And Steve O said, "We've got a plan." but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll just have to wait and see what it for. And the plan Ooh. was... Finish 11th? <laughs> or no, they finish 10th? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't remember. Oh, something like that. Something like, like midfield. Yeah, they... So, but Where are my they point going of this wrong? being... Where are they going wrong? I don't... Well, it's what you said and after stage one. They just don't have the strength and depth. Yeah. Which is surprising because you know, the budget they have and the riders they have. But mm. it's just not I feel, I feel not like they need. I feel like they need another shake-up. I think they do. I think they need Pete to just come in and take it all over. It does so feel like at this race they haven't got the big personalities. <laughs> like they haven't got they Pete. haven't got Castroviejo, <laughs> Kwiatkowski, and all that lot sort of calling the shots. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be great though? It's like Rod Ellingworth move over. That would be like closing the circle. The protege kind of takes over, kills the mentor, like a, like the First World War pilot. Oh, another yeah. film plot plot for Mark Jenkins yeah. to get involved. Maybe in. yeah. maybe that's why Rod's a bit sheepish with my messages that I send him. That could be. Oh, I know. There's a threat. There's a yeah. threat. Because yeah. I sent him the yeah. results of the um, of the Camino race, which is, you know we're an under twenty three development team. Really proud. Mm. 
that you know what we achieved there and he replied saying was this me- message meant for me <laughs> oh my god yeah. wow. like that's not nice yeah i was quite hurt god I just like that's this young rider that he looked after in Italy, yeah. who's kind of coming through the ranks, who's kind of earning his stripes and proud of the work he's doing. Now he's moved mm. into management, and boom, that's what Rod says. Oh, Rod, uh, he's a busy, busy man, isn't he? I guess. Yeah, no, it's well, busy. Not busy enough to write a nice message. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's that's the, the bottom line of it. He's, he's just nervous. So team time trial. <laughs> so um, so what was interesting, because we were all kind of discussing that like what was the difference of having just the first rider, kind of essentially being an individual time trial done by a team. Now in hindsight, after watching it, it makes complete sense that all team time trials should, should be like that. Yeah. Because it actually gives the, the smaller teams a better chance, which doesn't make sense, really, logically. But it did yesterday when you saw Tari Pogaccia, because he en- they ended up being down to just two riders in the final three Ks or two Whoa. Ks. Just Tadej Pogacar and Björg. But they were and the two strongest riders. Two strongest riders. But the point being, if it was done on three riders, four riders, they'd have had to like uh, lose like 20 seconds to wait for their weak riders. So, so, it's, it's, it, yes, so to explain on. your point, it, it, it helps and mitigates those teams who may have two or three very strong riders, yes. but, not, but not seven. Except don't have the budget to have, they don't have the budget to have the strength and depth. So yeah. that's a really interesting oh, point. Yeah. That, it kind of, that partially yeah. explains why Grupama FTJ did such a good time trial as well, because they've got Stefan Kung yeah. and Kevin Geniet to look after David Godou, but they haven't got seven you riders. Don't, you don't have after. to like, jeopardise your time yeah. trial by going kind of conserving your effort to make sure you have all the riders at the finish. Yeah. You can just go all out and gamble. Because it's essentially just oh, an individual Pete, time trial. Pete, you won't have seen the... Obviously, you didn't see the ITV Highlights show after stage three, but it featured at the beginning when Gary was setting up the whole rule change at the top of the show, it featured the uh, Team Sky's team time trial in 2015 where you lot had to wait for Nico Roach a little bit and back off oh, to no. finish. Do you remember let's, that? Yeah, let's not talk about that. I got dropped after 2K and did the. it was quite a long team time trial. Tour de France, the route lines with fans the whole way, and I just had to do the. It was like 30k, finished up a climb, had to do the whole thing on my own. It was the most shameful, I don't know, 40 whatever minutes of my life. It was awful. And it was like really oh, early on as well. The, and there was just no, that was it. There was no coming back from that in the tour for me. Oh. Oh, Pete. That's horrible. And I, I, thought, I, I thought I was pretty good at, well, I was quite good at team time trials as well, so it was a big knock. Yeah. Huh. Oh, right. well, sorry, mentioned it. Olympic champion <laughs> in mm. Team Pursuit. Yeah, you would expect you to be not yeah. dropped after three Ks. Yeah, that's yeah. a shame, Pete. I'm yeah. Sorry to hear that. that Shouldn't one. have got dropped though, should you? After two yeah. Ks. Yeah. No, I think I was really? just like I was always, you know, when you're bordering on the line of. Uh, actually, no, I was just trying to lose too much weight coming into the tour, and then never, just never got my mojo back. Hmm. Classic, <laughs> classic yeah. mistake. Yeah. Can I just move on before we move on to today's stage? Is Ned Knight we're watching the bike race kind of before we started commentary and kind of came up with the Owen Duel and the fact he's like an and you know in computer games you have NPCs non-player characters so there so if you go into like oh, a first yeah. person computer yeah, game, wait, 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 no, 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 I need to explain this yeah. is, I need to explain why we got reached to that conclusion because I because yes. Owen Duel is and I'm sure you've got this now Pete you're an experienced commentator Owen Duel is one of my nemesis riders like Tony Gallopan, because I can never pick him. I just, there's something about Owain that I can't, rec- I can't recognize him. And I think it's because both Gallopan and Duel, um, they're just like perfectly formed bike riders in the sense that they look like avatars. They look like generic 
bike riders. There's nothing distinctive yeah, yeah. about like, them on yeah, a bike, I, I don't think. And that's when we came up with this, yeah, NPCs. like a, like a computer-generated avatar, ge- generic bike rider, an yeah. NPC. So, so then we kind of developed this slightly because we were bored, obviously. Um, <laughs> and kind of, if you think about it, most of the peloton are NPCs. And oh, yeah. and then if you look go even deeper in that, like Pogacar is like the human. Imagine this whole peloton has been kind of AI generated. Yeah, you. Be it, have a human player going in there and then going against the NPCs. So Tali Pogacar is like the human. Everyone else is NPCs. But then the computer had to get better. So it had to develop Jonas Vingegaard and Jumbo Visma <laughs> to try and beat him. And it like it got the algorithms right kind of the Tour de France last year and was able to beat the human. Yeah. But then once the again, human the human conquers. Learn the human's learning and getting better. Yeah. And that's what he did today. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, yeah. you, you know, so it's the, yeah, you're on your PlayStation and you can usually win, and actually you end up getting beat last year. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah. How do I beat the computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so what we're seeing is the tussle between, yeah, yeah, human intelligence and the algorithm. Yeah. But then, it's, <laughs> but and if you think about, it, a lot of pro cyclists go through their whole career as NPCs, never win a race. What happened to Vingegaard? If Vingegaard is a, an algorithm Grand Tour champion, what happened to him today, David? Major glitch, I like know, a virus almost. Proper, I think <laughs> the computer got it wrong. So no, but the computer looked at Paranese and said, team time trial, we'll just send a whole team of super strong riders, including yeah. the reigning individual time trial champion, Tobias Fox, Foss. Yeah. And, but then they actually got it wrong because they didn't realize that they have the to humans in UAE as well. <laughs> would do something crazy and yeah, yeah. almost kind of only lose 11 seconds yeah. on GC in the team time Maybe trial. Maybe there's a health so anyway, issue. Something we don't know don't about. Know. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, he tried because when so it was really interesting because both teams were pretty much reduced. UAE just had it down most of the day, and kind of made the race really hard. I think it was splitting up in wins before they even got to the final fifty k's, where it was kind of constantly going up and down before the seven k summit finish. And they kind of it was that classic one where the team kind of rides itself into the ground. So you had a very reduced group, but everybody was clearly on their hands and knees. And Pogacar only had one rider left. Vingegaard only had one rider left and coming to the final climb, Grosschartner for UAE started setting a high pace and Vingegaard was sitting on his wheel and as Grosschartner kind of slowed down, Vingegaard went and it was like, whoa, never see Vingegaard attack Pogacar. And Pogacar went with him and I listened to the post-race interview and he said that he actually thought Vingegaard was so strong he didn't counter-attack him. So he then sat back and waited and the group, small group came back up to go do counter-attack. Yeah, it's a really good attack. Really good attack and got like 7,500 metres and was held there. He looks like a grown-up Godou now. He does, doesn't he? He looks like a proper grown-up. Like he looks school. like a really... <laughs> <laughs> he's graduated from primary school. Yeah. Um, he looks the real deal, I think, yeah. Godou. Yeah. But then Pogac did one of his classic attacks, but it was so big. And he did like 2.6 Ks from the finish. And at first, Vingegaard kind of hesitated, then went with him and was slightly closing the gap. But Pogacar obviously timed his attack so he could take it all the way to the finish line and just ripped it. And Vingegaard went, actually at one point, got out of the saddle to try and close the gap and nuked himself, yeah. like completely blew himself up. And, and then, then all sorts yeah. of riders are coming past him at the end, like yeah. Gino Meda, like Kevin Vauquelin, like yeah. Aurelion Paris-Peintre, all coming past Jonas Vingegaard. It's quite yeah. weird to see him oh, in that It's position. like a classic Tour de France moment. Yeah, almost, but it's yeah. in Pyrenees Wait, where uh, where the favourite and, and it just cracks. But it happen- it, I can remember it happened to someone it's exactly the same, and they just riders just coming past them. Yeah, the when you go, you go. So that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant! That's yeah. good though. Well, not for him, but it's I mean, really it's good. Gr- sounds That's like really great bike racing. It yeah. was really good. So I his mean, GC, yeah. Pete. 
Pogacar, Godou's in second at 10 seconds, and then uh, Vingegaard's in third at 44 seconds. So it's some, um, I mean, Pog's going to win it. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, going to destroy it. But it's good to see, it's really good to see Godou riding like that. I know I'm banging on about it, but the team time trial plus that, and, you know, no and, Thibaut Pino. And, and that Vauclin guy. Vauclin, Kevin Vauclin. Yeah, and Bardet, yeah. three Frenchies in the top 10. Three French riders in the top 10. Mm, not bad, good. not bad. So like yeah, it. it was good. Oh, t- Pete, tell us about waking up this morning. Oh yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> uh, what would you even call that? You had like a, a waking mom- dream. Yeah, well, you had a moment. You had a, yeah, a, a moment. A, a, you had a beat where you thought you were a bike racer again. Where you were neither living nor dead. You were neither awake nor you were neither a bike racer nor not really a bike racer. Really weird. It you was were, almost uh, like you were, it was a li- got a new word for you, Pete. Liminal. Yeah. Liminal, a liminal experience. It was like yeah. an out I don't of know body. What that means. It was like an out of body experience almost. But, it, it but how did you feel? It doesn't happen that often. Um, but it happened. Yeah, it occasionally happens to me. So anyway, set the story up. Got out of bed, went to the toilet. Just <laughs> hadn't, <laughs> hadn't you know hadn't really realised I was awake yet. Stayed up really late. Went to bed early, thinking to get, like you know trying to get an early night. Started watching Outer Banks. Don't know if anyone's heard of it or watching it, but yeah, it's quality. No, I've never heard it's, of it. It's never like a it. it's like a modern day OC. If you've heard of the OC, oh, awesome! Uh, so ended up watching that until two in the morning, but I was not tired. Oh, so I was like, but I, I, honestly, I wasn't like fighting it. I didn't feel guilty for staying up because I was just awake, so it was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, all right, um, I can lie in tomorrow anyway. But woke up at eight, so that's that was good. Also showed that I actually didn't really need the sleep. Um, I can tell myself that. I don't need a whoop to tell me, which is also <laughs> quite good at this day and age. Uh, then, yeah, went to the toilet, walked <laughs> over to the curtains, opened them and looked outside. And it does look quite racy outside. There's like a cobbled road and there's trees and it looks like typical hotel um, car park where, you know, you'd park your vehicles overnight, obviously. And then I opened, <laughs> I o- I opened them slowly to peer out because I... I hadn't because I arrived in the dark, you see. So in my head, I was thinking, "Oh, what, what's it look like outside?" And then it was like flash. It was like I was at a race for I would say half a second, and it was incredible. It was really weird. It was like I'd just f- gone back in time for a split second, and then all of a sudden <laughs> I was back in the room and re- and realized and where I was. And how did you feel? Was it did, when you came back in the room? Did it? Were you? nostalgic for being a bike racer or were you just thankful that you weren't it was nostalgia no not thankful i weren't that i wasn't at all it was uh it was like a set it was filled with happiness and i felt really young young for a split second uh and then i felt just my age again but um, (laughs) but anyway (laughs) i because i don't know if you did it david but i would always open the curtains the first thing i oh yeah uh, when i wake up to check the weather yeah oh every time every every day without fail and i don't know if that's yeah. like subconsciously so stuck in my mind because i think how many times you do that that action throughout mm. your career even even as a junior under 23 and training camps training camps every Tra- day ever just daily life so it's just like and it was like and then i was sucked back out and then i was back in the room nice there you go wow do you ever have that ned no no 
I do not? check the weather though. I can imagine as a bike rider, and whether, like you're saying, whether you're training or racing, it just you've got to you've got to know, haven't you? Yeah. I, can, I can totally imagine that mentally. You've just got to get over that hurdle of what what you know. Yeah. If it's yeah. going to throw stuff at you, I need to know now. Mm. I need to. I can't delay. I need to know now what I've got to contend with. That mm. must I be don't a know. big moment every morning. I don't know if it's this time of year as well, as well subconsciously because you know it would be. It's more of a case of checking the weather in in you know March April. So maybe that's playing, yeah. got something to do with it. Early season. Yeah. Early oh season mate, London, vibes. London, full on snow this morning, Pete. Slow, yeah, snowed overnight. I had to go, I had to, go to a meeting in Camden and I'd left my bike at home, um, but I, I was forced, the tube was closed. It was too many people trying to take the tube. So I was forced onto a Boris bike to get from London Bridge to Camden and without any gloves oh this yeah. morning. And Jeez, that, that, took about, that took about 25 minutes. I was, I, I, you know when your hands <laughs> get so cold, I was crying with pain yeah. at the end. <laughs> oh, and then I did it again. I went from Camden to Paddington and that hurt as well on oh. a Boris bike. Yeah. Oh, How was your training? You've been training like a madman, haven't you? I, yeah, I've been, on, I've been swifting like a maniac. He broke himself yesterday, Pete. That's why yeah, he couldn't I really broke myself. Let's be honest. It was, we were ready oh, to go, but David, yeah. had, David had broken himself. I was lights out at 10, nine hours sleep. Yeah. I could I, when I got here yesterday because yeah. I rode after my my and I must thank Swift electric for bike, setting me bike. all up and getting it all done at home at my yeah. sister's place. Yeah. Um, I rode an electric bike here. Yeah, just because when it was bad, pointing out it was an electric bike. Yeah, because I was just so tired, and I got off the bike here, <laughs> and I could I actually struggled walking for like the two hundred meters, <laughs> like my legs were so dead. Uh, like yeah, Pete's just shaking his head. So and then this morning I couldn't train; I was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but in the two weeks since I've started, I've taken ten minutes off my Alpha Swift tra- time. Pete, wow. the same effort. You're yeah, ten minutes. Oh, oh for your what? Yeah, Alpha Swift. Oh, the big climbing I, Swift. I do like that climb. Ten minutes. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah, isn't it? that is. So well, it depends what you're starting. I know it's a rapid. It's going from zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm at zero point one now. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've got off to zero. And is your form still away. minus eighty one, or yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's still holding. Still holding. holding. Yeah. Form minus eighty. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's fair. <laughs> um, listen, yeah. before we wrap this up, because um, uh, just a couple of little bits of uh, um, listener interaction that I wanted to play you. Um, the first is. The first is um, this from Jeff Toogood, who Pete really enjoyed listening to our podcast a couple of days ago, where we were talking about the fighter pilots, and we were talking about um, all those great stories, and he, he had a, a, another little twist on that. Mm. So let's hear, let's hear Jeff Toogood's uh, contribution. Jeff? Hi, Ned, David and Pete. Just been listening to your latest podcast. Um, brilliant as ever, I might say. Um, I really enjoyed the story about the World War One fighter pilots. Not quite sure how you got from Paris to that, but uh, there you go. Um, but I particularly enjoyed the story about the English aviator, um, the one who failed to cross the channel first, um, but subsequently in an air show crashed his plane into a hangar and came out of a burning building and smoked a cigarette. I think that story would have been even better had he come out of the hangar taken an orange out of his pocket, sat down and started slowly peeling it. Thanks a lot. Bye. David, I love the idea of the um, the peeled orange just yeah. being a... Pete probably uh, doesn't know anything about this, but yeah, because yeah, it predates early, Pete's participation pod. on the pod. But yeah. the peeled orange is like, it's an iconic image, isn't it? It is. We yeah. had it in an earlier pod when we were painting yeah. this picture of gladiatorial yeah. battles. Roglic. Roglic. I'll tell you what. Jumbo Visma, they might have to yeah, have a little think about bringing yeah. back to like I don't I don't know. There was an article 
yesterday, I read, because I was following the news of cycling, and it was the headline was about Roglic still hasn't shaved his legs. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it was like a headline. Yeah. Who was that's the other rider? Like, that's almost like saying, guys, I haven't even started yet. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. It's like, I don't even care yet. I've not, I'm just like coming into this, let Vingegaard do all this. I'm just going to not even shave my legs yet. That's how much I'm chilled out still. Oh, it was Sagan, wasn't it? Back in the day, yeah, he yeah. didn't shave his legs for yeah. months. Do you remember? Yeah. Maybe yeah, he just doesn't have much hair. Yeah. He did like yeah, San Juan or something, didn't he, with hairy legs? Mm. and Tor- Torino as well. Maybe even Paris. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But that's yeah. like a bit old um, school, isn't it? Like, you know, take the leg warmers yeah. off in April. Well, that when I turned pro in 1997, I was on the same team as Tony Rominger, and he said when he started his career, you wouldn't, you wouldn't train you'd barely train, you come to Paranese for like 500 Ks and everyone would just wear leg warmers and be covered up and just ride through the race. Yeah, nuts, so, huh? That's so good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, Someone I needs I to tell Tade Pogacar that. Yeah. Maybe that's what Vingegaard's doing, he's just done nothing. He's just turned up and just training. No, because he was winning beforehand. Yeah, he was. But it is all relative, isn't it? He, he beat the field at Old Gran Camino, which True. is not a Paranese no. peloton. You know, no. you're right. Actually, you had a good, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pete picked that up immediately when he saw the results. He did. Yeah, he's a good pundit and an excellent DS. Excellent DS. Uh, the other contribution comes from Samuel Smith, and I, I don't know. I hesitate to play this really because it reflects quite badly on me. Well, I think it's good that sometimes something reflects badly on you. But normally, I get that. <laughs> it goes back to. It goes back to. I don't know if you remember this, Pete, but reflection is there good. Was this re- bad, good, bad or good? It's 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 all it's, it's all interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Go on, that's um, all right. Well, you had that. You know, you had that appraisal of your qualities as a man, didn't you? By that, by a listener some some weeks ago that you struggled with a little bit, but we got through. It, was, it reflected very well on you. This well, doesn't reflect well on it's, me. It's all. It is. All, it's always strange when you have someone has an opinion on you that you don't actually yeah. really know. Yeah, mm. yeah. But you've been living. You've been living in the limelight all your life, Pete. You're used to it by now. Mm. Did you used to? Did you used to look for s- mentions of your name when you were racing? Uh, like, did you look online? Well, did you look after a race? Did you kind of like flick through and go, "I wonder what people are saying about me on the internet"? No, no way. Good. No. I didn't think you would have done that, but I think lots of riders do, don't they? Tim Malier obviously he does. Clearly does. Really? Yeah. 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 Wouldn't have him down to do that. He yeah, did. Yeah. Apparently, he got all stroppy. Mm. Really? The other day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this uh, this contribution from Sam Smith uh, goes back to, and I don't know if either of you remember it, but do you remember in 2013, Glasgow, the National, National well, yeah, Road Race Championships? Oh, d- I don't know if you remember that. Oh, we yeah, spoke yeah. about that on a previous have you, part. Have we spoken about it? Yeah, we have did. We? we have. When we were I, on the breakaway with I Cav think there was a group of four me, off the Cav, front, wasn't there? and Yogi Stannard. Yeah. 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 That's right. Oh, yeah. perhaps we have mentioned we it. We have mentioned it. Anyway, um, this is this uh, <laughs> another person who was there that day, apart from those four, and me waiting to interview you all, was Sam Smith. And this is his, uh, his, his memories of that day. Hi, Ned. I'm just walking home from Night Shift listening to your podcast. And uh, there's a lot of chat about the 2013 Road Race Championships in Glasgow. So I thought I'd share with you my memories of that and particularly my memories of you and David and Pete. I was a first year doctor who had been sent up to Glasgow, which was amazing. Everyone should live in Glasgow for a year. Um, And very excited that the 
championships were on my doorstep. My um, memories of the race is obviously that group of four powering off the front. But after the race, I was definitely schluging on one David Miller in his scrum of adoring fans. And I remember saying to him about how wonderful his book was. And he looked me dead in the eye. And I've never seen a celebrity so genuinely happy that someone appreciated their work. And he genuinely genuinely meant it when he said thank you, which was lovely, actually. And then I was cycling home and I saw one Ned Bolting being chauffeured away in a very fancy car, I'm sure. And being a young idiot, I raced this car down the road to try and impress the Ned Bolting. Needless to say, I got the dirtiest look of what are you doing from (laughs) a certain Ned Bolting, which in retrospect was probably quite sensible. Don't race cars on your bikes, kids. It's not sensible. It's not cool. Anyway, that was then. But yeah, it brought back some funny memories. So I thought I'd share. Hope you're well. Yeah, I think what's important about yeah. this, Ned, and I think our listeners have to understand this, is that um, the facade that Ned puts on in public is very different to what he's like the moment he steps away and gets in a, a limo. <laughs> gets in a limo. For a start, no limo was present. No. The only limousine I've ever been in was... The mask the, was off. The Maserati was a oh, limo. Yeah, true. But that was that a limo. Was a limo. The, the one yeah. that broke down and yeah. we went to leave yeah. it. I haven't heard... I haven't yeah. heard... I haven't heard this. Okay. So, so uh, just to sum it up... He had two encounters at the end of the race, Sam, who was just there as a... As just there. He was there as a spectator. He had two just encounters. Just there. Don't let slip, Ned. See? See? <laughs> it's, the mask slipped. It's them and us. Them and us. Down. Oh, guilty. Guilty. <laughs> That's very revealing. <laughs> Awful. I do apologise, Sam. Well, I've just, I've just nailed myself there. But... Uh, he had two encounters, did Sam, just to sum it up. One with David, where he had a quick word with David saying he'd really, appreci- he'd really enjoyed reading Racing Through the Dark. And apparently David was absolutely lovely and genuinely just, you know, thrilled to talk to him and to share, you know, like really could do, had so much time for him. And then he was just leaving the, the race area and he, he saw me getting into apparently a limousine. And uh, he tried to sort of follow on his bike my limousine as I was being whisked away. You know, and apparently I gave him a dirty look. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Ouch, indeed. Yeah. I, I'll have to apologise, Sam. One, for the thing that obviously happened in Glasgow. And two, for saying that you were just there as a spectator. This, yeah, this those, really those reminds me of, of Nick Grimshaw on Radio <laughs> 1. He has one person who absolutely hates him. Because one time in a Starbucks <laughs> near the the studios, he pushed, to the, he went to the front of the line. Apparently, Nick Grimshaw says he didn't even know there was a queue there, and just ordered his coffee. And this guy was stood in the queue, and he he hates him for it. And he's been on the radio and said how much he despises him based off that one moment. <laughs> <laughs> I like. There's a story of a footballer who used to play for Arsenal and then Sunderland called Nicholas Bentner, Danish footballer. Don't know if you remember that name, Pete, but um. He, when he was at Sunderland, he famously walked into a, he, a branch of McDonald's and he didn't have any cash or a card on him, but he wanted to buy McDonald's. So he just turned around to everyone who was in that branch of McDonald's and went, I'm Nicholas Bentler. 
someone needs to buy me my meal. I <laughs> 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 did they? Yeah, of course they did. <laughs> oh, so it kind of worked awesome. for him anyway. Right. I gotta right. go to the studio. You've got to go to the studio. Yeah. Pete, you've got to go and do DSE things. Oh Pete, I've booked all my tickets. I'm coming to Portugal. It's all I'm sorted. Excited. So that's super exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. That's quite soon. Happy days. You can go and be just a spectator. <laughs> Literally. Oh, yeah. Just a podcaster. Yeah, just a just a podcaster. <laughs> just a, a podcaster. <laughs> a video. <laughs> um uh can we speak to you tomorrow? Are you gonna be around? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. And don't forget, dear listeners, that uh, you can contribute if you want to. Um, just email us uh, some audio at hello at neverstraysfar.com. Neverstraysfar.com. Uh, speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.